This is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. Gar Kidney is away on assignment this week, but fear not, our other two co-hosts are here. First, he is the quality pillar, Mark Robinson. How are you, friend? I mean, it's always good living, you know, 10 minutes away from a citywide riot. That's always fun. Yes. Um, but I am, I am safe and I'm accounted for, so... Yes. Uh, the 15-year-old shitheads can't get near me because mm. I don't have a charity box in a McDonald's you're in my house. So layering the Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah. Ready to go. Yeah. Live my best life. I actually have been thinking, not, not specifically of the Kaiser Chiefs, but the, the new playlist that's on all the time in work is uh, a landfill indie playlist. Unfortunately. Like, the landfill indie, it's such an appropriate name because the quality just, like, it swings for the fucking fences between each song. I need to double check because uh, myself and Jack a little while ago did a uh, stream about the top 10 worst indie bands of that period. But I don't remember if I, I don't think I did. No, I didn't upload it um, to my YouTube channel, unfortunately. So it just means me and Jack are going to have to do another one sometime. And we can rank the kooks as the worst yet again. Consistency is key, really. That brings us to the side on a sim, Mr. Chelsea, a man about to travel across those seas to come to us to embrace us as men do it's Jack Lazell how are you my friend oh yeah I'll be hugging the shit out of both of you like I do every time I, I come over um I'm good mate I'm good uh I wasn't expecting a conversation about Kaiser Chiefs this early into the podcast usually we save that for the second hour yeah exactly uh I've never I feel like I haven't listened to that record in years but it would have aged terribly like, I feel in every song at some point, possibly during the middle eight, somebody went, oh, which was uh, Employment, the name of the album, yeah, if I recall. It was Employment, it was, yeah. yeah. Weirdly, I have a signed copy from a CD signing I didn't even go to, but I'm told <laughs> reliably that my friend Justine stroked Ricky Wilson on the arm, so there you go. Okay, well, why do you, did, did you ask for a signed copy, or did just Justine decide, hey, Jack, here's a birthday present you I might want? I- probably was like get me a copy of the record which okay. they did um and it's mm. signed uh but i i did not attend the the kaiser chiefs gig in a I very similar seen... story i have thanks to keith brownie a signed copy of the first vaccines record oh what's the most unique signed piece of memorabilia that you own i have um an ireland jersey signed by the 2002 world cup squad on the way over before saipan it might be one of the last things Roy Keane signed as an Irish player. I, uh, the weirdest signed thing I have is a, for some reason, signed squad ball from like the 99 2000s Leeds United squad, um, <laughs> which not many people expect me to have. Uh, my brother one year bought me a signed picture of Noel Fielding for reasons, and I'm not going to lie, I, I love it. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Uh, most of the signed stuff, other signed stuff that I have is like football related though. Just trying to think if I have like a kick-ass random signature of anything like Dave Benson Phillips or something, but I don't. I had a coffee mug signed by Dainton and Pritchard from Dirty Sanchez. That is pretty good. Whatever I, happened I to won. those boys? Both men also inserted a genitalia into that mug. Jesus that was promptly 
sterilized afterwards. One, one of the, the few competitions in my life that I won, like a, a TV competition or whatnot, was um, that DVD of that season that is also signed by all four of them that I have somewhere, I think, on one of these shelves here. Uh, also possibly sitting next to my Pro Wrestling Noah DVD case that was signed from when I went to see um, that company live. Um, I don't know if Dave Mastiff signed that box art as well, but he was he was there. I hope uh, it was just so, signed by Alan Forel. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, good uh, seeing yeah. you, Al. Yeah. Do you know and that I live like five minutes me. from him? That would yeah. mean more to me than any Japanese wrestler in history is to just have something signed by Alan Forel. You know, I think I could arrange that for you. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, you can find the most legendary Japanese wrestler of all time, like, I, I, I don't know, what, like, Misawa or something, but Alan Farrell signed something, that's, that's me. Gentlemen, Game of the Year is fast approaching. Want to do a little bit of a check-in, because in terms of our, uh, our recordings, this is the last normal podcast before Game of the Year. I don't know. It's emotional. There will be more coming out. Next week, we're probably going to take off because we will be in Game of the Year headquarters when we normally record the show. But I want to check in on your backlogs. Um, How is the list of Doom going, Um, Jack? Yeah, I think, well, the only thing that I feel like I really need to play, and I just can't start playing it for, for some reason, is probably Alan Wake 2 at this point. Um, and yeah, I, I just haven't had the the get up and go to like get into it a little bit because yeah, I, I, I only have until uh, Thursday when I come over to, to get yeah. any TikTok. time logged on with it. I watched the moment that is voted for best moment of the year and the complete absurdity of that, um, which without the context of the rest of the game gives me a very mixed message about what the game is actually like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's the one, the, the main one missing from the list at this point. Uh, what about you, Mark? Um, uh, to be honest, the things that I'm playing or I'm interested in playing are things that um, either kind of came or released too late for us to really get any kind of meaningful sort of time into. And I'll talk a little bit about that uh, in what we've been playing this week. Or um, I have Armored Core 6, which none of us have actually spent any time with. And I only picked up because I very much enjoyed my time with Lies of P and kind of had a hankering for more of that sort of game. And a friend of the show, Matt Niner, has has been kind of, you know, singing the praises of that thing all year. So I'm probably going to spend a bit of time with that. <laughs> and then potentially, if I like it, come recording next week when it comes to, like, you know, game of the year, I'm going to my first pick be, hey, Armored Core, really six, but that can now come immediately off. So uh, in terms of things that we have on the list, there's probably nothing that I, I'm really going to get to. Um, I, I've played quite a bit from this year and looking over the things that I would even want to play, like the big two emissions for me are Baldur's Gate and Alan Wake, which I was never going to play over them anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fairly comfortable with, with, with where I am in terms of what I've played. And really now it's just kind of bits and pieces that aren't as essential for this year, but just things I wanted to have a look at anyway. And there's probably a few other things as well, but, you know, there, there are only so many hours in the day. Mm. 
Uh, I think for me, it's going to be, even though I have played a bit, I think it's going to be Baldur's Gate because it's not a game that you can drop into for five to ten hours and get the the full picture of what's going on. Um, so that's the that's the real omission and I'm, I'm contemplating whether to like cram in a load of it before Thursday when I also don't think it's a game that's to be rushed or do I go back and maybe to be fair to games from earlier in the year dip back into a Tears of the Kingdom and a couple of things because I, something I'm always try to be conscious of is sometimes I lean towards the more recent things because they're fresher in the memory than something I really loved from six or nine months ago um so that's the kind of like the decision to be made in the next the next few days um, that was a conversation i was having with myself as well because i'm like yeah one of the last game well the last game i probably finished was spider-man and i'm like oh i loved spider-man it was great and i'm like but is it my game of the year like you have to really you have to really go back through like and i you know started making notes already about you know some of the categories because we should plug it but uh, on our twitter right now if you guys want to vote on it, you can go and vote on all of the categories and all mm-hmm. of our shortlists. The, uh, the 10 the, things the that we've got for each poll. category. Yeah. So mm. basically every year, if you're a relatively new listener, um, before we go into our, our recordings, we put up a tiebreaker poll because sometimes we have been locked in a hopeless deadlock. And if it is, if the votes are locked, we can't get past it. We will consult the listeners and who they voted for to break that tie because we we had one year where there was a lot of draws and we didn't like that it felt weird so uh, that's the solution we have and it's good because i think every year we've had more people get on board everybody feels like a bit part of the discussion uh, and it's always been interesting to see sometimes we absolutely nail it what other people are thinking and sometimes we are absolutely miles off so yeah you can go to our twitter uh, and and check that out will be promoting it and retweeting it pretty consistently for the next week or so. Uh, so do get on it because I think by got a few days after this podcast drops, uh, <laughs> the votes will not be valid because we'll have started recording. Um, but anyway, uh, let's move on to uh, what we've been watching, what we've been enjoying. Uh, and Jack, you've been having a look at Scott Pilgrim and that precious little life of his. Yes, Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life is an eight-part Netflix animated series. Dave, when did you first hear about this? Because I feel like I heard about it maybe a couple of months ago, and then all of a sudden the fully formed whole series was there. Um, so probably it was it was pretty much when they announced it, which I feel like was um like earlier in the year. Um, that they'd done it. I, I think the most remarkable thing is that literally for the show which is Scott Pilgrim takes off by the way um before of of everything it's the fact that the entire cast has returned like all of them who are it wasn't as hard a thing to pull off in 20 2010 when that movie came out but almost everybody in that movie has gotten significantly more famous uh since then um and somehow in defying all expectation nobody has been cancelled for great crimes yet (laughs) so the fact that on a number of levels this cast maintained uh itself and is intact is incredible um but yeah i've been excited since i heard about it 
yeah no I would, I would have to agree that I think the fact the forecast come back makes it just it's like pitch perfect because it's almost like catching up with an old friend yeah and what I think is really interesting is they kind of start off you know very very tight to what the plot of the first movie is mm-hmm. all the way through the first episode and then they make a decision yeah <laughs> they it's- make a decision that, oh no they're narrative ghosts it no. is not a narrative ghost. No. Oh, you Mark, you haven't seen this yet, Mark. I haven't seen it yet, no. Mark, it's like and it it's brilliant because it plays into the expectation of what you have with the whole cast returning. It's like, oh, this is going to be I'll enjoy it because it's an anime, but it's going to be, you know, pretty much beat for beat the last the the or the the movie. And even down to some of like there's little bits of change here or there but down to like most of the delivery of the lines that are still intact are the same so you're like right this is going to be what i had thought it was going to be was basically the movie with a lot of the the cool stuff from the comic that was cut out for time but it was going to pretty much just be that as jack described mark in the last couple of minutes of the first episode this show wings hard to the left. It completely abandons what the movie is about. It completely abandons what the comics were about and doesn't come back. It yep. is a completely different show to any of the pre-existing stuff, but with the same characters. And then what it does is it just writes a new story with the same characters in the same universe. Yeah. Sort of like a parallel universe version of events. If if one event from the movie had changed ever so slightly in terms of its outcome yeah. and where you would end up. And I think it works really well. Yeah. This is an example of something where it's not the stupid narrative ghost from Final Fantasy VII. It is... Just a perfect execution of right. So now we've made this decision. What does that mean? And what I I really liked about it is that we get a much deeper. And obviously, there's eight episodes. There's a lot more time they can spend on it. But we get a much deeper exploration of the characters of the evil exes. Mm. We spend a lot more time with them. We get to know them. We get to understand. I guess with the exception of the Katy and Arge twins, um, which is sort of sort of disappointing that we didn't get maybe more of them. Um, but like, yeah, there's all individual episodes really that kind of focus in on different elements of the the, the league of evil exes and uh, obviously Gideon and what that means uh, and how it's played out. And yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much for anybody that wants to watch it, but I just think it was so good, like really brilliant. The energy, the pacing of each episode was cool. It kind of had a little bit of a sort of almost whodunit murder mystery style to it as well. I think that they kind of kept the spinning all the way through the plot, which is perfect for a show on Netflix thing as half of them seem to be about some sort of violent crime. Uh, yes, just a very well done and the voice acting is as good as you would expect it to be with it being the full original cast. Like no one sounded like they were phoning it in. Everybody sounded like they were having a real good time, really enjoying themselves. Even though like if, like down to like maybe the timbre of some people's voices have changed a little bit. Yeah. I feel like Michael Sarah, for instance, sounds yeah. a bit less yappy than he sure. did when he was younger. <laughs> did, um, did you hear the story of how they got talking about doing this again? No. Well, they did the um, the scripts so, read along during the pandemic. So, didn't yeah, they, they did. Before, yeah. So before that, um, they had a when they were doing the film, and this dates how old the film was and how much it was before. Like we were all using like 
Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp because they all had an email chain they were all on. And one day, after six years of no one emailing on it, Michael Sarah just replies to the last email and goes, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And people were like, Michael, you're replying to an email from six years ago. He's like, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be replied to, (laughs) right? (laughs) And I got everyone back in touch seemingly. Yeah, amazing. I mean, going from the the mention there, the... um, the 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 read along that they did during the the pandemic, which didn't and, even you know, have going back that as time. well, but going back for even further than that, you can tell that like so many of the people that were involved in that really loved doing that film and really, you know, just have a real fondness for it because I've watched so many of the um, like GQ watch alongs and whatnot. And, you know, a bunch of those have kind of popped up, like Chris Evans has done one, Michael Sear has done one, and all of them just kind of say, like, just... Actually, I, the, the Chris Evans one wasn't too long ago, and he kind of talks about that I was only in that film for, you know, like, four or five minutes, and when it was done, I was like, you know, is there anything else I can do? Can I just kind of sit around on the set? Like, he, he really enjoyed his time on that. And so the idea that they would all want to come back, obviously, you know, schedules permitting can be an issue, as you mentioned, that they were they are all obviously a lot more famous now. But they all, like, so, like, loved their time doing that, that the idea that Edgar Wright or whoever would come along and say, like, hey, let's kind of do more with this, and they're all like, yeah, absolutely. That's the least surprising part of this. Um, yeah, I need to get to it at some point, but uh, it's just, just just not happened yet, but people, I definitely will watch people this. People like working for that guy. Um, it's also, like, it, it, to benefit you, who doesn't, like do the kind of like you don't commit to many TV shows very often it is eight half hour episodes roughly hmm. so it's yeah. it's pretty breezy like yeah. to the point where he might be on rewatch number four but last time I spoke to Keith Brony about this he'd already watched the show through three times since it came out a week <laughs> ago amazing now, in his defense this was like it was a thing where he binged it as soon as it came out and then I think it was his housemates maybe like we're starting to get into it. He's like, "Well, I'm here. I'll just watch it with you." <laughs> that's that's class. Yeah. I um. Also, I think the needle drops in it and the soundtrack is brilliant. Like, really, yeah. really good. There's one in the, particular. I, uh, well, I, the, I was gonna say the, yeah. the the song that made me happiest to hear it because I hadn't heard it in probably well over a decade was "The United States of Whatever" by Liam Lynch. Yeah. Which is just an absolute classic of its time. Like silly dumb fun punk rock song from a guy who i think was just like a random sort of comedy writer screenwriter yeah, he's like really... a, he's a tenacious d collaborator he, yeah. w- he worked on the the series i think he, yeah, d- exactly. he directed uh, and makes a cameo in the the t- tribute video that garrett loves yeah yeah the one that garrett knows all about yeah but he did a bunch he directed a bunch of of, of videos but he's just sort of like a yeah, general like comedy writer, performer, like just uh, like uh, it's not an actual musician, and yet that United States of Whatever song, as Mark can probably attest to, was so massive on like the music rock TV channels over here for a while. It was number one most requested video on Kerrang and on MTV Two at the time and everything. It was it was huge, and I hadn't heard it for ages. So the nostalgia hit me real deep when Lucas Lee, Chris Evans as Lucas Lee, just burst out of his front door skateboarding around to whatever by Liam Lynch. Absolutely brilliant needle drop. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's really, really good. 
Um, yeah, if you like the movie, you're going to love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't think, yeah, that's the one caveat maybe is like, I don't think if you if you weren't on board what that movie was trying to do, I don't think this is going to talk you in. Um, but if you were into the movie or into the comics, I think maybe it might even lean more towards if you were into the comics, you'll love it. Mm. Um, just because that like expanding out the universe bit. Um, and some things, they do still pull in things from... Um, the comics that they didn't either mention or or only kind of briefly mentioned as well. Um, so so that's something. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Scott Pilgrim. I've also been in the uh, the animated area of things this week, Jack, because I watched all of season one of Invincible. I've been meaning to watch this for so long. Is it good, Jack? You are going to fucking love this show. Yeah, that's you're going to love it so much to the point where. I might be actively mad at you if you haven't started it by the time I see you. I've got stuff to do, but no. yeah, okay. <laughs> no, mate, mate. <laughs> yeah, what you got to do is watch this show. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, the only thing it. that's held me back, right, from watching it so far, and I feel the need to explain myself because a lot of people in my life have been like, "Why the fuck? This is such a you show. Why the fuck haven't you watched this yet?" I've been getting shit off people in work for not watching this. Um, the main reason is, did I want to be double barreling Amazon Prime shows about super dark superhero shit. You know, I'm watching the boys. I'm already in on the boys. Am I going to watch a, a second show that's it's not the same, but it's, you know, it's a kind of like it's not a million miles off either. Um but yeah, I finally just went fuck it like that's, you know, it's been long enough now since I I finished Gen V last week which is also you know brief mention of that that's really fucking good gen v and if you're a boys fan even though it's a spin-off it is kind of important that you watch it because it does kind of i think season four will be fine without you watching it but i think it does position things on the board really well for season four and if you're somebody that just needs their boys fix it's a it's a very good bit of that even though it doesn't really involve many of the same characters it's just happening in parallel with the events of season three um but the the cast for invincible is so fucking good i don't know did you know much about the cast for this show jack yeah, I've seen the cast. I, yeah. I read a whole bunch about it. The fact that Zooks was in it was enough for me. Yeah, so you've got Jason Manzoukas, you've got Stephen Yeun, you've got Sandra O, oh, J.K. Simmons, Walton Goggins, Gillian Jacobs, Kevin Michael Richardson, Zachary Kinto, um, Mark Hamill, Clancy Brown. Uh, there's so many fucking people in it. Of course, Seth Rogen, because he produced it. Um, Mahershala Ali is in it. Uh Jay Farrow, SNL alum, another favorite of uh, of Garrett's. Uh, John Hamm, very briefly. <laughs> um, there's there's lots and lots of people in this, and basically what it is, um, it's again kind of like the boys. It's a show where like it's a a sort of realistic world where what if superheroes actually existed it's not like a gen v type thing there aren't that many of them um but there are kind of avengers parallel in this that basically all the inciting incident of the whole series is they all get brutally murdered and the only one who is left 
is the strongest one of all. Omni-Man, played by J.K. Simmons. And also when all this is happening in the first episode, you meet his son, played by Stephen Yeun, who's uh, Mark, funnily enough. Um, and he gets his powers uh, in this first episode and um, becomes a superhero called Invincible. Um, and then you kind of, you follow the kind of the deepening mystery of, of you know, who... You know, the, the people you're following, what's happening with Omni-Man and Invincible, you're following what happened in this investigation and things take several dark turns. Um, it's, even though it's kind of a really brightly kind of, lit, it's not like drawn or, or, or lit like a a dark, gritty cartoon. Like it's real bright and colourful, but it is at points horrifically violent um it's it's really fucking good the sh- the the episodes are they're about a half an hour long but start kind of like they're not consistently the same length i think the the last one or two maybe closer to the hour mark the first three episodes of season two have dropped but they're taking a break until 2024 now before they drop the rest of them those episodes apparently are big long boys uh, so i would say jack now during this hiatus will be the, the time to hop on invincible it is so good and it is just nice to have a, just a, a multi-part tv show in which jk simmons is one of the main characters because jk simmons has a great voice and not once did i think about him cursing out spider-man but i wouldn't have been surprised if he did he is a menace yeah. dave so yeah it's worth saying as well like if you've never heard of invincible that it is it is the other big comic book by robert kirkman he of walking dead fame um so that's uh yeah that's 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 another link back to uh a, a popular tv show that well and truly jumped the shark and hopefully invincible doesn't do the same i wouldn't expect it to currently anyway um you haven't watched anything mark uh no um maria's watching some of the latest seasons of modern family at the moment so we've been enjoying that um but i've kind of just been using any downtime to just kind of play stuff mm. Um, because I'm basically, I'm kind of juggling a couple of masters here at the moment. I'm obviously still working on the game. Um, I am trying to play stuff for game of the year, but I've also, I'm, I'm working on another project at the moment, which I won't talk about too much now. I'll probably get closer to the time. Is it Frog Fractions 3? It's, (laughs) if you watch the video long enough, yes, it Uh is in there. You just have to look for the details. Um, so I just, I just haven't had the time to kind of watch anything properly at the moment i just i can't i sit there and i just after about two minutes i'm like distracted and i need to do something else um though i will say we actually we did watch the dark knight uh a few nights ago because maria had never seen the dark knight before you know i've heard that's a good movie that is a very good film it's not a perfect film it's like the best four and a half or four and three star film that i've ever seen um, what is a perfect film for you, Mark? Just out of interest. Oh, besides Super Troopers, that's that's a tricky question. <laughs> Do you know what? I can't even argue with that. <laughs> I love Super Troopers. I want him to pull some real obscure. Uh, yeah, no, probably, Poseidon probably, Adventure. Well, that's when he started. He said besides. I thought we were going to say Poseidon yeah, Adventure. Yeah. I would have uh, popped I, I, out of my damn mind if you'd said Poseidon Adventure then. Gene Hackman plays name. a priest in it. 
<laughs> I would say My Neighbor Totoro is a perfect five star oh, film. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're just you're just making good choices. I can't. I can't <laughs> Super Troopers. There's nothing My I can. Totoro. I can't say anything about any of these things. Yeah, you're just making good choices. So no, that's it. That's that's all I've got this week. I kind of hope that you were going to go with something wacky. Oh, you went, you, you went, you went down the middle there. Damn it! What? Okay, okay. never mind. Mark, hello. What is your favorite? Oh movie? god, I feel like I'm in the hot seat now. What is your favorite movie that you think people listening to this would bury? Oh, um, I know what me and Jack's answer is straight away. It's the same but- movie. <laughs> it's a movie we talk about any time we're given the chance. <laughs> and, I mean, and Jack does exactly that chuckle every time I <laughs> I go to references. I I see for music I can do that really easily, but for films I don't. I off the top of my head I couldn't think of one to be quite, Mortal quite Kombat. Honest. Oh no! Like because I know what Mortal Kombat is. Like I wouldn't say that's like a favorite or anything. Yes, the answer is gone in sixty seconds for those of you playing at home. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I wouldn't be able to give you an immediate answer. I'm just not. I'm not enough of a film buff to, yeah. uh, to have one. To keep talking about whatever, and I'll look through my letterbox okay. see if I reviewed anything. Let's at some point. talk about Memphis Reigns. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's let's go to uh, you, Jack. To talk a bit about uh, Mario Wonder. Yeah, I'm I'm coming to the end stages of Mario Wonder. Um, had a great time with it. There's there's not too much more really for me to say. It's kind of the only thing I've managed to get to this week. I've had a super super busy week again. Um, just trying to close out a bunch of stuff that's going on at work, and then obviously before I gonna have like a week off because I think when I come back from um, come back from Ireland, I'm I'm going over to or oh, going up to Manchester as well to to go watch Chelsea Manu away, which would be fun. Yeah. Um, I haven't been up to Old Trafford for a couple of seasons now. Expect to win so that that'd one. Be, that'd be a good time. Oh, no, we always manage to balls it up against Man United. So, you know, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> oh, look, um, please do. Be my guest. Oh, no, we will. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, yeah, Mario Wonder is a great game. There is no... Um, this is... This is Mario Wonder. This is probably heading the category of would it make my top 10 games of the year? Yes. Would it make my top five games of the year? Possibly, maybe, not quite sure. Therefore, would I stand up for it like in a major, major fight other than maybe one or two things in uh, in any of the game of the year conversations? Yeah, probably not. But it is a really good game though, isn't it, it's guys? It's really fucking good. Yeah. It might be like a contender for hoot of the year. Yeah. Caper of the year. Yeah. It's yeah. uh, It's so... Like, it's light in one way, but there's also, like, if you want to go and collect all the wonder seeds and your your three purple coins, it's, like, there's a meaty enough challenge to that. Um, especially as you get into worlds five and six, I think. Um, it's like a meringue. It's light, but it has a hard exterior. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to make a joke, but then I was listening to our game of the year, um from last year and I did make the like an ogre it has layers joke on that one and I don't want to make Barry not come to the game of the year. Year. Barry was quite offended that I did it so <laughs> I want to make sure he gets in the, <laughs> the game of the year house this year so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it but I want you all to know what I did think about it um, onions have layers they do Mario Wonder quite a good game yes yeah, yeah. 
Um, I love meringue, by the way. How do you guys feel about meringue? Oh, meringue yeah, fucking rocks. Yeah, meringue rocks. Yeah, there you go. That's all, it. All well, that's, for a meringue. There you yeah. go. Perfect, perfect comparison. You wouldn't choose it first in no, the dessert no, no, queue. No, no, no. But when you do have it, you really like what's it. What's the first one? What, what's your first? They've got all, they've, they've got all the, the possible desserts. Because you pile every dessert on top of each other. They've just got all of them, but you have to pick one straight away. I might, like, implode trying to do that yeah. right now what would I eat if I could eat any and, dessert and, in the and, world? and, and you're, you're picking one because as well there are a couple of ones that would be high on my list but unless I know the place I'm not ordering it. you know what I mean like I, I, if I don't know it's yeah. going to be a good one or a bad one but it's like you got one shot What's, what are you going <laughs> one for one opportunity one opportunity you're getting mom's uh, spaghetti yeah like just like a really amazing red velvet cake okay okay Mark would be uh, tiramisu Ooh, I'm going sticky toffee pudding I do like stiffy yeah. toffee. Like, that, that was like probably be a top three. Yeah. Give you a stiffy toffee pudding. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The one I was thinking of where I don't know is uh, an apple tart. Because yeah. I, I'm a fan of the very almost to the point of being a liquid stewed apple one rather than the whole hunks Lumpy. of apple. Um, so I need to know the place and see the apple <laughs> before before I, I if I'm if I want to get one shot, one opportunity. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like chocolate fudge cake, regardless of where you go, yeah. you even, it's it's kind of the pizza ruling. Even yeah. a bad chocolate fudge cake, it's still fucking this chocolate thing, fudge uh, cake. Yeah, and like the word, like the bad ones are usually just a bit dry, which is grand yeah. because usually there's cream or ice cream with it. Yeah, yeah. 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 To me, that's a prerequisite of enjoying a, a really good apple pie. Is like a really just massive dollop of vanilla ice cream. It goes off it so perfectly. I'd do a, a, stra- a strawberry cheesecake would be high. Yeah, strawberry cheesecake. Any kind of cheesecake, really. Yeah, I don't. Like I don't. I don't do a Bailey's cheesecake, which is quite popular. Are oh, you yeah, some sort of coward? Well, I don't do like. You know I don't I like re- Bailey's. I've never liked Bailey's. Uh, even uh, even from a shoe. Refer to my last statement. Yeah. <laughs> if it if it was really hot, like a really really nice eaten mess, like the cream meringue, like berryness of it all is. Have just- you ever been more middle class, Jack? Mm. Mate, EMS is banging. By the way, EMS is not middle class. Pavlova is middle class. EMS is like smashed up Pavlova. You'd surely have you to know. pronounce it Pavlova to make it Pavlova. proper. Baklava is also very good, yes. by the way. Ooh, you go to a good Turkish restaurant. Damn. Um, now I'm just I, hungry. I have, a, I have a film for you. Um, going back to your previous question to me. Yeah. Um, and I... I would, I'd have uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, because okay. uh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I feel no, like that's, that's a film that gets slated bonus quite a points. lot, and with good reason, because it's quite bad. Bonus points, because it's very easy, like we did, to pick pretty much any Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, every, yeah. pretty much every Nicolas Cage movie has people who love it, but people who feel bad about loving it, you know? Yeah. I, I thought you were going to pull out, like, a, a face-off. No, like no, that. no, because that's just good. All right. Con Air. That's great. We, we, did, uh, we did watch the community episode where uh, Abed does take the uh, Nicolas Cage I'm uh, a class. I'm a sexy I'm a, cat. The yeah. <laughs> uh, um, thing about Prince of Thieves is that's almost a category to itself because all-time great performances in bad movies because Alan Rickman is just having himself a time, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. He's yeah. so it's just a shame. funny in that movie. It's just a shame no one knows what accent they're meant to fucking do in that film. Yeah, but it's... I mean, yeah. Well, Kevin Costner, if memory serves, just does his Kevin Costner voice, doesn't he? Pretty <laughs> much. He doesn't do voices. He's, 
It does know. If anything, I'm surprised there wasn't some sort of like ball involved in this movie. So it's like everything else. It's like his character in Robin Hood and his character in Waterworld. It's a fucking one to one. They might as well be in the same shared universe. Oh yeah, Waterworld. What's that male movie you said? Was it like a mailman movie? You oh, did? the Postman, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah, yeah the Postman. Yeah, man. Yeah. Kevin Costner fell off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Breaking news. <laughs> Kevin Costner fell off hard. Hey guys, so we keeping an eye on what's happening with Kevin Costner. Man, Costner was the man though. Costner was. Anyway, so Mary Wonder is really good. Yeah. So that's all I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> uh, I've been doing like a little bit of a bat clean up on on some game of the year stuff. So like dipping in and out of different bits, seeing how long they hold my attention. Not quite the Garrett method but uh, not a million miles off either. Um, so I don't want to say too much about it just because, like, I know, Mark, you have talked about it on the show, and I, I do, for any of these things, I'm very tentative because I don't want to get into, like, full show my hand and do, have the debate before the debate kind of thing. You do have to play the cards close to the chest this time of year. We do. It's Thirsty Sewers um, is the first one. I Like, I already mentioned the bit about Baldur's Gate, done a bit more Baldur's Gate. You know, we'll see where that ends up by Game of the Year. Did a bit of Thirsty Suitors. There's a lot of these games that are on our Game of the Year shortlist that make it very easy by being on Game Pass. Uh, so I can set them to download on my phone while I'm in work. They're ready by the time I sit up here at night to, to play something. Um, so Thirsty Suitors was one that uh, I tried for a couple hours during the week. Yeah. It's a, it's a cute little game. Looks nice. Sounds nice. And I just put it back down. Um, I think something I'm, I'm thinking about a lot this year um, when it comes to my choices is what am I feeling as I'm playing it? Like, obviously, that comes less into it with best soundtrack necessarily or best, best looking. But as an overall, like me taking in the whole piece as a game... Am I having fun? Is it giving me a strong emotional reaction one way or the other? Like you might say something like Alan Wake, which I've talked about. Some people might talk about how like, like a, I mentioned it even like an old survival horror game, whether by design or not, can be a little bit awkward to control sometimes. So am I having fun 100% of the time moving my two characters around? No, but I'm usually having strong emotional reactions in as much as like the full immersion of the game and the experience and the type of thing it's going for. Thirsty Suitors, I don't know if I like the minute-to-minute gameplay of it and the game, you know, the game feel, as they say. I think it's like, like I said, it's cute enough. It looks, it definitely looks good. It's got a style, you know, um, and, and it sounds good, but I kind of just went, yeah, I don't think that's a game that would like, if it was a game that cost me money, I would be particularly interested in playing for very long. Um, but I'm, I'm glad I got to it before long because now I've met some of the characters. Like, you know, when we were doing the good as boy noms during the week, I had no idea what these fucking characters even looked like. And that made it very confusing to me. So now I have a bit, a bit more immersed in it, um, can talk a bit more about it. And, and that's kind of what the point of these few days before recording is. It's the cramming before the test, isn't it? Uh, on, I, I will quickly yeah. see, say just to, to jump in before anything else that, um, because I am in agreement that with Thirsty Suitors, it probably is a case that, that the gameplay in some aspects 
because it's split into like a, a couple of different like mm. modes or mechanics that the game yeah, has yeah. and certain aspects of it are certainly like the weakest parts of the game yeah. but the thing with me that drew me in very quickly is within I'd say about 20 minutes of playing it it had passed the like Mark Commode six laughs test mm. for me because I was how like the first kind of boyfriend fight that you do I was cracking up yeah. um, I, mm. I, I I found enough in there that kind of hit me on kind of going back to talking about um, Scott Pilgrim there in terms of the kind of over the top nature of it and just some of the dialogue it hit me in that right spot that um, from that first fight I was like alright I'm on board with this even though I can see that the like the fighting mechanics are kind of limited but they're there because they're serving you know the the kind of ongoing conflicts between the two characters Um, so I do think that if that doesn't hit you in the right spot from that first fight I can't imagine that the rest of the game um, will you know find you kind of along the way anywhere yeah Um, so, yeah. I, I think that's kind of probably where I, I ultimately land at. That I, th- I actually, I, I, I do think, to its credit, I think it's a great idea. You know what I mean? I just don't necessarily like all of the execution of it and and how I sure. how I interact with it. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> like that, that's absolutely fine. Um, the other thing is El Paso Elsewhere that I've been playing. And you want to talk about games this year that go, we have an idea for a style for this game. And then at all costs, we are going to execute that style. Uh, that's uh, uh, El Paso. Um, I, I, I think it's a game that if you are not born in a particular window of time i'm talking maybe a couple of years older than us to a couple of years younger than us you probably think we are insane nominating this for anything but i'm having a lot of fun i i don't know i want to play it a bit more because i don't know how much of that is just tickling the nostalgia receptors and how much of it is i'm actually having fun playing this game or how much of it is i'm having fun thinking about this game thinking about the games this game makes me think of you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that kind of like, it's now a deliberately blocky, ugly art style, but it's based on when that polygonal art style was what we had. That was cutting edge for a very brief window of time. Um, and it is. And to be quite honest, you're going to be seeing a lot more of those types of games yeah. in the future. Well, you, you know, know, like that thing where culture is kind of, we've done the 70s nostalgia thing. We've been doing the 80s nostalgia thing for the last few years. And it is starting to creep in to the early 90s nostalgia now. So I think games will follow suit with that, where you're going to get a lot of we are doing 90s games. Yeah. Well, we, we've done the Pixel revival, yeah. and now we're in that PS1 slash... And, and, and the reason for this, I feel, um, and I've, I think I've mentioned this before, is that because you have so many of these IPs and ideas and games from the kind of mid to late 90s, early 2000s, that aren't being served by those developers anymore... Um, for a number of reasons, because whether Embracer has that IP locked in a vault somewhere or just, you know, there's like whatever kind of copyright issues, whether it's like a soundtrack or something in that game that just means that like we can't remaster it or we just can't do anything with it, that 
you have all of these developers who've come along that grew up playing those games who have gone, fuck it. I want to make a game like that. And I'm going to put, you know, whatever kind of like little extra twist on it. And because games have never been easier to make, they're still obviously a complete nightmare, but they've, they've never been easier to make that you're going to start seeing, you know, things like Signalist last year, uh, Crow Country, which is this kind of Silent Hill Res Evil 1 thing that's out, the demo's out on Steam at the moment. The game that I'm making is based off of a PS1 game. Like, you're going to get all of these kinds of things yeah. now just because, um, you know, and if, even think about, like, something like Sonic Mania. You know, yeah. why does Sonic Mania exist? Because yeah. Sagan did, did not know what the fuck they were doing with their 2D Sonic games and, for, like, 20-odd years. And... and, and Still, they still yeah. fucking don't. And that's not a bad thing, like, you know, the nostalgia and things like that. Like, it's, a, no, it's absolutely God, no. valid, but what it, what we will get at a, at a certain point, we, we will reach some sort of critical mass and tipping point where there are people putting out, like, it's not shovelware, but it's, it's people putting out games where the only idea they've had is 90s aesthetic. You know, yeah. like you've documented on on the show in, in development of your game is that you're actually trying to make it an interesting, challenging puzzle game. It's not just you've gone fucking 90s is big right now. Fucking horse something out the door as quickly yeah, as yeah, possible, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that's what I'm kind of like. I'm in that space with El Paso elsewhere where I'm trying to figure out where the, the sliders are in terms of enjoyment of the actual experience of playing this as a game by itself and how much is I'm a child that grew up with an N64 uh, and then moved to PlayStation. Uh, this is- I, I do think, I do think with that game, and this is the other thing that you have to think about with a bunch of these types of games is typically they're being done by very small studios, mm-hmm. a solo dev, a team of two, you know, maybe max four. And with something like, and you know, and I've been kind of looking at this when I've been playing El Paso myself, is you can see where corners are being cut to, because I think the game has about 50 levels. Like, it's got a fairly lengthy campaign for, for what it is. And I do think that you can see where in, in the, like the first 10 levels or so that I've done, it gets quite samey quite quickly because it's obviously like, hey, we have these assets. There's only a certain amount of assets we have time to, to generate. And so we have to find a way to kind of use, you know, the fact that every level is like you get to the point where you basically get to the end and then you have to get back to the start of that level. There's a very deliberate reason for doing that is to reuse like the levels, you know, twice basically. Um, the, the things that they do from where you start the level, get to the end of it, then come back again. There's obviously kind of twists and turns along the way. And I think that's a very tricky thing to to balance. And I don't think El Paso fully pulls it off in some areas. But then I also think that for what the scope of that thing is and for what, you know, the size of that team is, and I don't think it had a particularly long development cycle. They could, you know, tell me otherwise, but... I, I do think it's fairly impressive for what it is and like at least conveying the hey, I liked Max Payne and I want to play something a little bit like that. I do think it accomplishes that. Yeah. But I do think that as a game sometimes it does kinda like, all right, I've been doing this for a while now. Where's yeah. like the next enemy? Like, Where's the oh, next kind of Okay, thing? I get it. Kind of yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um But I think it's very cool though. Yeah. I do think that. Yeah. Uh I think most of the comment and most of the categories it's nominated in are pretty appropriate and it will Mm. be an interesting one and i think again on that 90s thing it's going to be it's going to make best looking a much more interesting category because before it was like 
the division in what we were talking about was do we lean towards a game with incredible fidelity? Do we lean towards a game with a very bespoke art style? And now you've got a bespoke art style that is, in a word, ugly. Yeah. And in some ways, the uglier it is, the better it is in terms of best looking. Like, because it is... It is a perfect execution of that. Um, so it's just because, you know, best looking was just a category we were all getting through way too easily on, on the show. <laughs> well, I mean, like you look at it, what we've got this year. I mean, you've got and, and Barry was going to talk about this on his stream last night. You've got Alan Wake and you've got Pizza Tower. Yeah. Like you can't get two more opposing forces. Yeah. But we've always kind of spoken about on the show in terms of like. Actually, a very good in the that you deliberately sh- a bit shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, I, as I've said on the show before, that is like the most jankiest fucking looking thing I've ever seen in my life that is completely intended to look that specific way. But I also think personally that I find that far more visually interesting than, you know, name your kind of AAA high production value game of, of choice. Um, because I think that unless you do something very, very specific with the art direction, a lot of those games, and I think part of the issue is that because so many of these games and studios are like transitioning to Unreal 5, that they all kind of, there's certain things about like the lighting and the modeling that they just kind of all look the same. Again, unless you do something kind of specific with the art direction. So for me, and partially because of, of my age demographic and whatnot, you know, when I played something like Signalis last year, I was like, hey, I think this long thing looks fucking incredible. Obviously, if you're someone who's only been playing games for the last couple of years, you'll look at that and think, well, that kind of looks a bit naff and the models are a bit stiff and the creatures aren't really clearly defined. It's like, it's, it's, th- unfortunately, it's that, well, that's the point, which is a very hard thing to argue to someone who's just not into that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Sure. It's going to be a fun year. Fun year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a fun few years ahead. Uh, Mark, I feel like over the years, I, crazy sub- pills, I, or maybe I, have. I subconsciously beat you down into starting to play this franchise. But you're playing the getaway. Not, yeah, not getaway well, Black Monday yet. No, no, yes. Not yet. Not yet. Yet. Yeah. You got to have um, the start so before obviously- the main course, Jack. Obviously, obviously, because we are coming up to Game of the Year, the most important <laughs> thing that I could do is play a game from 2002. Yeah, so um, a friend of mine... I, I don't know. So two things happened. First of all, um, I got a PS2 um, that I managed to find from a charity shop for a very, very reasonable price. Um, are, you, are you stopping at one PS2? Just the one. Okay. I only need the one. We've been here because, before, Mark. You know, I'm going to have the intervention less early this time. Th- they're slightly less portable than a PSP. Um, so I got that, and unfortunately, it's it's slightly problematic. The the It's a top-loader, slim PS2, um, and the discs in there are a bit temperamental in terms of when they want to work. You kind of have to press on the top-loader, and then sometimes the disc works, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I have a friend of mine who was telling me about uh, you can get either you can take a PS2 memory card or you can buy one that's pre-installed and it basically comes with a load of like um, kind of open source software um, you know kind of bootleg kind of stuff and you can basically sync it up to your PC and you can just play games directly off of like 
a, a, an external hard drive and it'll play it off of there onto your PS2 without the need of, you know, all you need is the, the ISO file, basically. Uh, so that makes life a lot easier. And that same friend as well, he he took a, he made a tweet um, about a week or two ago and he just had like loads of screen grabs of the getaway with loads of these different um, kind of capsule moment in time brands um, or, you know, places in England, uh, brands in England that still exist like WH Smith or Boots or uh, Royal Mail, all these kinds of things that are just popping up in this 2002 game. And clearly it's like, there's no way that they got the licensing for all of these things. And it's probably a case that they didn't have, you know, I'm, I'm thinking there was very much a, uh, a Paul Heyman and ECW with their theme songs type of uh, uh, gimmick going on here. But the getaway, uh, so there's a game my team, Soho, who um, they'd been around since 1996. And before this, their claims to fame, they'd made a game called Porsche Challenge that I actually remember playing at some point. They also made Spice World, huh. which is a game oh, that I did. Oh, yeah. Please track that down, Mark, and play that. I might have to play some of that on a stream. Um, they also made This Is Football, which is a game oh, I gosh. remember being a thing, yeah. but I never played. Uh, they, um, famously, it's one of its mechanics that was the selling point for Viva, is that there was a dive button. Interesting, interesting. Um, I One of the things that I'm working on at the moment will include me playing This Is Football, so I'll definitely have to get to that at some point. But yeah, from from there, we get to 2002's The Getaway. And obviously, you start playing this game, and you can clearly see that, you know, we're in a post-Grand Theft Auto 3 world. Um, this is a, an open-world, sandboxy style game set in a pretty faithful recreation of London um, to the point that one of the missions... I got stuck because, and I'll explain why in a second in terms of like the way that this game navigates you around, but I got kind of stuck. I knew I had to get to Chinatown. I know where Chinatown is in real life because I've been there and I was able to get myself to there going through Leicester Square um, and ending up in Chinatown using my actual kind of real world geographical knowledge of, of London. And, you know, when you start playing, one of the first things you do is you go over Waterloo Bridge and there's the big building where the, the IMAX cinema is now. And you're just driving around. It's like, I'm in fucking Covent Garden or I'm, you know, in Marble Arch. And it's really fucking insane that this thing exists in 2002. And this game was meant to be a launch title for the PS2, mm -hmm. but got delayed by, I think it was like 28 months. I can't remember the exact time frame, but it got delayed significantly because... They were trying to make a 3D replica of London in, in a video game, which is just completely insane. But on that part of it, they do a pretty good job. You know, some of the, like, the materials and some of the textures of the walls are a bit naff. And some of the images, like, you know, sometimes you can't quite see what the, the branding on a shop is meant to be until you get really close to it. But they do a fairly kind of faithful recreation. And this is very much in that kind of Guy Ritchie, London gangster era. You know, it's very kind of lock stock, very snatch in terms of um, the, the characters. It's, you know, it's of that era. Everyone talks in a way that no one actually in London really talks like this, um, other than my granddad and a few of his closest friends. But, you know, it's, it's, a gangster, it's a gangster film, but as a video game. The thing that is wild about this game, though, is that there is no HUD at all. Yeah. And 
I think, you know, you have to kind of keep in your mind like, all right, where, where were we with video games at the time? Video games had the case and they had a manual. If you didn't know exactly like, all right, what does this button do? I can go into the manual and I can physically like read it. It's a bit hard when you're trying to emulate the fucking thing. I guess you can go on the internet and you can find the buttons and whatnot. But in terms of a game to play, and because, because of where we are now in 2023, where video games are very good about onboarding you within the game itself about here's what the buttons do here is a safe environment to test these mechanics before you go out and do the thing in, in the real world the getaway does not do that you you start you're in the car and that's it you got chase after that car and because you know i'd say the bulk of games that you will play will have some sort of hud even if it's just a small icon somewhere in the screen there is something there that is like, okay, I'm, you know, playing a video game. There, There is like, you know, some sort of like image on the screen that is, is the HUD. And the getaway doesn't do that. And honestly, when I started playing it, I was like, is the, the ROM file fucked in some way? Because it feels like there is an overlay that is missing here. But no. So, naturally, obviously Team Soho wanted to make this game. And they wanted to give it a real kind of film, a real like cinematic quality to it. And one of the things that they obviously decided with that is, you know, uh, no HUD and, you know, there's there's black bars on the screen. So the, the screen resolution is actually a little bit kind of it, it's a little bit thinner um, to kind of fit out the, the box, that letterbox style. And so naturally, when you make a decision like that, immediately it's like, all right, well, how the hell do we communicate anything to this player? And to be quite honest, for the most part, they don't really communicate a goddamn thing to the player. One of the things they do do, though, is the indication system. So for anyone who's never played The Getaway before, if you've played an open world game, in the bottom left or the bottom right or the you know one of the corners of the screen, there is the map that will explain to you where you are and you know will kind of give you an indication of where you need to go. Or even maybe on, on like, if you play, like, Sleeping Dogs and you're driving along and it actually kind of, like gives you the arrows to indicate like which way you need to go. I actually quite like the way Sleeping Dogs did it. That was quite elegant. The way the getaway does it is your car indicates when you need to turn or when you need to turn left or right, mm -hmm. which is a really fucking clever way. I really think it's, it's such an ingenious way of doing it. However, it only works yeah. about 50% of the time. Yeah, I, I like admire it more than I enjoy it. Yes, and believe me, while I'm trying to play it, it's very much a, I really admire this, but it's really fucking frustrating because sometimes you start indicating left and there isn't actually a left that you can turn into. Just like, well, where the fuck do you want me to go? And then sometimes it starts indicating really hard left and you're like, okay, I guess this is where I need to turn now. But sometimes when you need to turn left, you don't actually do the hard indication left. So it feels quite temperamental and I, I'd be curious if I ever get to Black Monday, um if that's improved upon at all. Because it's like, you can clearly see from the get-go, once you figure out, all right, the indicators are how I navigate. There's obviously a way that that can be done, but implemented better than it's done here, because it's just, it's just not kind of elegantly performed. Mm -hmm. Then there's issues around like, okay, how do I uh, regain health in this game? Because again, this game doesn't tell you anything. And so I'm wandering around for, you know, like 10 minutes. I'm constantly getting shot. The, the, the combat in this game is very stiff. It's very clunky. It's not ideal. But then I'm like, all right, I've got some bullet holes here and I need to like heal myself. How, there's no pickups around. There's nothing here. Again, keeping that cinematic quality, you know, when you play like a Grand Theft Auto, you see a gun. 
it's like there's a gun and there's a big kind of sphere around it and it rotates. It's like, hey, you are playing a game right now. There is a gun that you can go pick up. In this game, there are guns that are on the floor, but like in real life, you have to go up and you have to pick it up and it, it tries to kind of keep that realism about it. So when it comes to health, they were like, well, we can't just give you like a med pack that or, you know, fucking aspirin pills from a Max Payne. So the way that you regain health is you have to go up against the wall and then after a couple of seconds, your character will lean against the wall and you have to stay there for like 10 seconds to regain your health. It will never fully regain your health, but it will get you in, you know, your character, as you get shot more, he starts breathing heavy. He starts to kind of stumble around. So you can regain to the point where you can run around again. But again, there's no nothing in the game that kind of communicates this for you. So if you are to go into this game completely blind, with no manual, no internet around, you've got no way of knowing this. And it was only because someone who was watching my stream told me, hey, this is how you do that, that I was able to figure that out. And it's like, I, I played it for about three hours in the stream, and there is this wild oscillation of, I think this is the coolest fucking game with some really fucking cool ideas to this is the jankiest piece of shit and it is driving me up the fucking wall. Why does this game not tell me a goddamn thing about how it plays? And why does anything I try to do not work? And I am ping-ponging back and forth between these two states of mind. The voice acting is pretty solid for 2002. Um, there's no one in there that I think is is recognisable. I looked, I looked at the IMDB. There's no one really of note that you would know, but it's actually fairly strong. It's probably better than GTA 3. Do I you, think... Uh... That <laughs> so, well, the main character had no voice actor the GTA 3, right? I would have thought you would prefer that. Do you prefer old school voice acting in games? Is it just modern voice acting you don't like in games? No, 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 no. It's voice acting in general I don't like. It's when it's done good, I'm all for it. But the problem is, is most of the time it's done badly. Hi, GTA, uh, uh, Final Fantasy X. Um, but, like, you know, like Metal Gear Solid. I, I think the voice acting in Metal Gear Solid is, is really solid. I, <laughs> um, I think it's really, really well crafted, really well executed. Um, well, yeah, David Hayer is one of the best, I yeah. think, video game voices ever. Yeah, it's just, there's just a lot of games where it's just quite clunky. You know like, who doesn't think that? Konami. <laughs> you know who doesn't <laughs> think that? Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> yeah. But the, that, that kind of East London, very Cockney gangster type of accent and, and the dialogue and the, the, the scripting along that, it all fits that theme. It, it does feel like it's come straight out of Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So, you know, like, thumbs up there. But just as a game to play, it's, it's one of those... There were so many concessions that were made to make this feel as cinematic as possible that they went, the game be damned in terms of us achieving what we want to achieve. And in terms of that cinematic quality, I'd say even for like 2002, it's a real, a real accomplishment what Team Soho do here. But as a thing to play, poor boy, <laughs> it is, it is a challenge. But I'm going to see this thing through because... I'm just kind of, A, because I haven't seen all of London yet. And one of the problems with the game is because you don't have that kind of like navigation or map or anything that you do in a GTA, because, and you can't just press start and look at the map. You know, the only way you're going to get around London is to literally know London and, you know, where to go. And I have like a very basic grasp of London, but it's also been a long time since I've driven around it. Uh, but the game also hasn't really given you a chance to just kind of fuck off and do your own thing. But I do want to, at some point, just kind of travel around and explore a little bit. Um, so if you want to join me on that journey, Mondays at 8 o'clock, I will be streaming um, a very, Black very Monday fascinating piece of video. Black Monday. Oh, man. 
perfect. When I, when I do get to Black Monday, that's it. That's it. Synergy. It's yeah. But Spice World first, though. Yeah. Yes, but I'll probably do that as like a ten minute gimmick because I can't imagine there's a lot no, to that game. I want you to play that shit cover to cover, <laughs> bell to bell. <laughs> Oh, Every God. single moment, I want you to do all the side quests. I can't Get imagine Spice World has uh, side quests. Maybe a Spice Quests. We'll see. The the other thing you that need I've to been get playing... a platinum trophy as well, Mark. Even though they fucked. didn't have platinum trophies back then, just get fucked. Well, no, because well, there's, like there's they... retroachievements.com. I was going to say, is. yeah, yeah. They're, they're, oh, well. right. That's it. Okay, yeah, Mark. That's your whole January sorted. In fact, I'll, I'll have a look and see if it does have retro achievements. I, I, I fantasy booked your January. You monster! It is all Spice World. Related. This is why you're I not wonder, my manager. I wonder or my is agent. there licensed stuff that you get dinged though. What, like, like, is there, is there Spice like, Girls music? Yeah, like really crappily encoded Spice Girls music and that. Well, no, it's probably the actual music. Because, like, you know, the Spice World, it would have been the PlayStation. Oh, yeah, so it so, is yeah. like the actual music on a CD. So it's probably there. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can have streams and they can stay up. And then, like, you know, whether you put up on YouTube or whatever, and they just oh. go, look, you're not going to make any money from this. I- I've got bad news, guys. There's no achievements on retro achievements for oh, Spice World. What is happening? Could we make some up? <laughs> yeah, I think we have to. Yeah. Great. Can't yeah, wait for that. Yeah. You know, and if you get to do the whole game as one of the Spice Girls, I think you have to complete it with all five of them. <laughs> oh, well, like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And if there's a way to complete it with, like, it late un- 90s David Beckham it, with it, his floppy haircut, it, it, you complete it with him It as unlocks well. the hidden six Spice Girl, Gary. <laughs> Gary Spice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe they'll have Spider-Man in there as well. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Spice-Man. Spice-Man, there you go. Yeah. The other thing that I've been playing, um, which I won't spend too much time on, um, I'd, I'd really like to see this thing. I, I wish I'd seen this thing through before we were, we were done with our categories, because I think there's a fair chance that this could have been in for best story. Um, and this is the Cosmic Will Sisterhood. Uh, this came out a couple of months ago, uh, published by Devolver Digital, uh, done by a, a Spanish team called the Struck Team. And it's a, it's a narrative adventure. Uh, where you play as um, a witch called Fortuna, who has been exiled to basically a rock in space. Uh, she has like a quite a cushy little house to live in, but she's been exiled for a, a thousand years um, because she has the ability to basically like see into the future. And she uh, annoys the, the leader of the coven that she was a part of because she you know goes to the coven and tells them that, hey, uh, we're going to get wiped out at some point in, in the future. So because of that, she gets exiled and she's on this rock. About You uh, kind of join into her journey about 200 years onto being into this, on, on this rock. Um, and you come across, uh, it's called a behemoth, who basically is this kind of like interdimensional god who can go across like universes. And you kind of make this pact together where, um, because part of your, your punishment is that you know because your abilities as a witch is what you're able to kind of see into the future and you did did, you do this through tarot cards um your tarot cards are taken away so you've got nothing to do basically so uh this behemoth he makes a pact with you that you'll kind of sacrifice something for him and in return he'll help you to create tarot cards you can then start to use them um to you know basically perform that what what is your ability as a witch 
at some point during this, you are uh, met with like a kind of parole officer who kind of talks through with you to kind of understand more about your case. Um, and she uh, basically is like, hey, this kind of sucks that you're stuck out here in exile. I'll make it that at least even though you're stuck here, I'll allow like people to come visit you. So then when the game kind of really starts to unfold, you have like your friends, they come to visit, you perform, um, uh, you, you know, kind of lay your tarot, you do tarot card readings for them, kind of tell them about where the future is. And then there's like um, kind of a multi-branch in terms of the the choices that you can make for them based off of the cards that you play, where you play them and the, the dialogue branches that you go with. I think the game has a, a, a bunch of different endings. So obviously the choices that you make will Im impact that. There is something going on where the cards that you have that you create, there's like four different icons or four different kind of types of currency or something. I don't really know what they register to. I'm guessing it has something to do with like earth, wind, uh, fire, and earth. air. Do um, you uh, do you play this game on the 21st night of September by any chance, Mark? I have not. No, no. <laughs> I see. Um, but I don't know really. Like I haven't found a, like an actual use for those the, the elements yet. Like there's a kind of counter in the top right of the screen, but they don't really get used for anything. So I'm guessing at some point, maybe depending on maybe like if there's four endings, maybe depending on which one you've kind of put more uh, of the element into, maybe that's the ending you get. I don't know yet. But I think it's a really interesting story that's being told, and it's very um, pro-queer in terms of, like, you know, these characters. It, all the characters in this game are female so far. Um, th there are uh, relationships between characters. Um, th th there are queer relationships that are kind of dived into. Um, your character, there's some very kind of, like, um, very kind of brutal... Uh, honest open dialogue about like hey i've been stuck here for 200 years and i've just completely lost my mind i've completely like disfigured myself and then used a spell to heal myself just for me to feel something to look different to have something different in this house um so there's definitely you know some heavy themes in there and it's uh yeah i i, I think that the, the the writing in this thing is really strong and while i feel that i'm not entirely sure like as a game what it wants me to do um i also think that the game is kind of very slowly unfolding itself so like an onion there are layers to this thing uh, and kind of one by one i'm getting more sorry, to Murray. so um i am i'm disappointed that i didn't get to this uh before the, the kind of cutoff period but um i'll probably have it finished before next week so you know maybe i'll i'll give it like a shout out but, <laughs> a psychonaut style right in but I, I can't imagine I would be able to uh, make too much of a shout for it um, past that. But it's 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 really interesting. It, it definitely is. There it is. And it's on Switch and on Steam. Okay. Thank you very much. I think it is time for us to move to the news. And uh, we are sticking with you, Mark, first. Uh, to hear we nearly, at one stage, Sliding Doors Universe style, we could have had a sequel to Simpsons Hit and Run. Tell us about it. Yeah. This is uh, so uh, Minmax um, spoke Great with English. yes spoke with basically the the team that made Simpsons Hit and Run uh, uh, another open world PS2 game from back in the day. By the way, before you jump in the article, did they ask him about that Ruby guy who remade the whole game on uh, on YouTube? I don't know actually. Have you seen that? 
I I've never. Oh, I, I, I have seen. seen this. I have I, seen I, that I, thing. I, I, I've seen like screenshots. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen video clips of it because that's been done in. Oh, I'm guessing Unreal Five now. Um, it is, yeah, yeah. But he got loads of people to help out, like do some of the artwork and remake the whole thing, and it looks incredible. It's maybe a seven or eight part series, and the videos are only maybe like ten or fifteen minutes each. High, high recommend if you guys haven't seen it. It's really interesting. Yeah, I've I've watched clips of it, and it definitely um it, again just kind of speaking about what we were talking about earlier, just people just wanting to um kind of make stuff from their childhood or whatnot, and it's just yeah, it's it's yeah, cool. You can't even thing put it online because of you know like you get in trouble. For it, that is the problem. See that, and basically every fucking Unreal Nintendo project that exists. Yeah, yeah, mm. um, yeah. No, the developer um, revealed that there was an offer for a five-game deal in place between The Simpsons and publisher Vivendi uh, before the follow-up games were shelved. Um, the kind of lead producer on the uh, the, pro- the lead developer on the project said that no one who worked on the project really understood why. Um, it was a really good deal, and Vivendi said no. Uh, he later added that there would have been no momentum lost between the shipping of The Simpsons Hit and Run and the work being done on the sequel. Um, uh, Melchior, the developer, lead developer, said that his own boss at the time was also unsure why the game was ultimately put on ice. He was just like, I don't understand. Like, I gave it to you on a silver platter. Why aren't you just saying yes and doing these games? The producer recalled. Um, while the sequel wasn't playable at the time, the Hit and Run team got this news. The studio had prepared various assets and had a system in place which allowed the player, uh, the player to tow things behind their vehicles. Um, and also there was a, a potential that it would have included airships. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Duff Blimp, I assume. Yes, yes, obviously. So, the Spruce yeah, Moose. No, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool that this thing exists. Um, you know, you have the likes of Min Max, you have the likes of... Um, Danny O'Dwyer and the work they do at No Clip, uh, and like he's they, just uh, uh, like dropped uh, a new like feature length production studio this week where they they yeah, yeah where they did a feature length anniversary documentary on Half Life. Yeah, he's he's like either he's either dropped or he's going to do one on like NHL '94, which was a game that I played as a kid, yeah. which is just like all right, sure, fuck it, let's do this. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's so cool, it's so cool that we have these types of things, mm. um, and. Developers are are open to to kind of talk about this kind of stuff because it is, you know, at the time they're just, you know, I'm sure there were these things that were spoken about in magazines and whatnot, but um, the the kind of accessibility for like video content to have these kind of interviews just wasn't available at the time. So it's awesome we can do this now. Mm-hmm. We are going to thwip and snicked over to Jack. Uh, because I think we're we're gonna stick Jack on the Insomniac beat for the next while because it feels like you're the you're the Spider Man guy. Uh, but tell us uh, what the latest details are on Insomniac's next project. Confirmed. I enjoy Spider Man. Yes. So Insomniac's next project, as most people will know, is Wolverine, which is reportedly due in 2025 and is quote unquote darker than Spider Man. So it will be a PS5 exclusive when it comes out in 2025. Uh, Internet tipster Daniel RPK. Apparently he's normally best known for his scoops on Marvel TV shows and movies. Said that the game is coming out 2025. Unsurprisingly much darker and more violent than the previous Spider-Man games. Uh, And he said it's also going to feature... Madripoor, which is Marvel's fictional island often associated with X-Men stories. I think it briefly popped up in the MCU, 
in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, so it won't be a surprise, but you can see mention of Madripoor, the Princess's Bar, in the Insomniac's announcement teaser that they released. Um, so earlier this year, Jeff Grubb stated that Insomniac's Wolverine had two potential release windows, one for as soon as next year, before adding that Insomniac was still very much talking about 2025 internally. So Jeff Grubb also added that additionally, the Wolverine series will begin his joiny, 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 he's beginning his joiny, well, before he joined the X-Men, and stating that the game is a hard R slash M rated tone, which I think it kind of would have to be for a Wolverine yeah, game yeah. for it to feel authentic in any <laughs> Much way. Much like it would kind of have to not be that as a Spider-Man game. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. You couldn't have the super dark Spider-Man, super dark, ultra-violent Spider-Man game and the super light, bright and breezy Wolverine game. No, it wouldn't work. So I think with this one, they're probably going to be less open worldy you would imagine and more kind of location driven for these games um yeah which we kind of spoke about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this yeah exactly but so 2025 is when they think that's coming i would imagine that we'll see some dlc for spider-man 2 by then as well which is imagine the next thing that we're going to get announced for an insomniac at some point probably next year which i will definitely be on board for because there are areas of spider-man 2 that uh you can or could access through glitches for a while which look like something in the future they're also obviously as we mentioned previously look like there might be some sort of headquarters pointing towards the hand or maybe some daredevil dlc so imagine once they get done with all that it's full steam ahead on the wolverine project and yeah I just hope they don't mess it up. Um, they've managed to stick the landing on three Spider-Man games, which is very un- improbable, I would say, that they managed to make three very good games off the, the back of, well, I mean, obviously a favourite IP, but yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot of, of, of real criticism. So yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to see what they can spin with Wolverine. But, you know, if there's a similar team involved and, and good writers, then hopefully they nail the tone and they nail the story. Did I you two play the? I, I feel like this is a question that's come up before. But did I you two play the Wolverine Origins PS3 game? No, no. Okay. Have you? I have not. No. Can Be- you like do two streams a week? So one Spice World, uh, and one the Wolverine Origins game. Have, have you PS3? tried to do PS3 emulation, Jack? I've got well, PS3. I can just give you it. That that works for me. That'd be great. Yeah, I've got I no mean, I'm issues gonna- with that. I'm not going to do that, um, but <laughs> I will lend it to you if you will agree to play that uh, X-Men game. That's uh, hey, maybe I'll find one in the charity shop at some point, or maybe maybe we'll find five. You know, like if 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 the streaming kicks up and then people want to send me some money, I have a coffee account, uh, raise funds and buy me a PS3. How about that? <laughs> Mark's PS3 fund. <laughs> it's just like it's so funny, like all the things people save up for, and you're like trying to find enough money to get a PS3 off eBay. Surely you could get one for like. Somewhere between 50 and 100 quid at this point. That is not money I have right now. I see. Yeah, you have like... You don't have a job right now, I guess, so you don't need to be buying a PS3. No, I do not. (laughs) How furious would Maria be at you if you were just like, hey, instead of food this week, I bought us a PS3. Mm, Yeah. Maybe we can try and eat it. Pretty big. The, the, The future technology of 2006. Uh, in our final news story, I know, you know, there's a lot of 
talk this year coming into 2023's game and not 2023 about what's a remake what's a remaster what's an upgrade but I think the joy of remakes is when you can take a game you know from many years ago that may be on a console that not a lot of people have or you can take a discarded IP maybe people don't remember you know like a live alive and give it a fresh coat of paint bring it out in a new territory and see what people think and you know uh, to that hey, Dave, ilk, I bet you'd love a, a Neverhood remaster oh, or a remake, look, huh? You know, and and second only to that is this. Um, this little game called The Last of Us Part Two is getting a PlayStation Five remaster coming out in January. We Fuck have sake. lost our fucking minds. This game came out seven minutes ago. Nothing says our first party schedule is in perfect working order. I don't know what you mean, then only farting house. Uh, Last of Us Part 2 Remake. Yeah. This this is sickening. This is actually sickening. Like, I, I know, like, look, um, we've mentioned him twice already on the show, but, like, perverts like Barry are going to be well in for this. Um, but it was one of maybe the funniest things of all time this week when they were doing the, as often with these remasters, there's the side-by-side comparison. Uh, photos that start coming out in the the build up to the game coming out, I I, I couldn't fucking pick them apart. It's like maybe yeah, it's literally the Pam from the yeah. Office meme of corporate watching you tell the difference it, between this picture and that picture. Uh, it's Chris the unhappy sheep in in Father Ted. It's like it's got two entirely different sheep. That's the same photo, just reversed. Uh, like maybe Ellie looks slightly more frowny in one of them, or does like you could does a, maybe like a vein is popping on her arm that wasn't in the first one. Um. Yeah, Mark. Look, uh, we'll go to you first. Like you started off with a very strong. We have lost our fucking minds. I mean, I I will say this is that if you own the PS4 version, it's only a ten dollar upgrade. So I think, which hey, that's the same price as a Mortal Kombat Fatality, apparently. So I think if we're doing that on the range of spectrum in terms of value, I think that's entirely fair. Um, but I'm sure this thing will come out and it will cost eighty quid. And, you know, to some degree, I, I guess it has to be because it's a fucking only a three year old game, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, look, whatever, you know, Sony has to hit whatever targets for the quarter one of next year. So, hey, we're getting this and it's got a, a guitar free play mode for, you know, those that were really clamoring for such a thing. I don't know. Um, Can you hit zombies with the El Cabong? Oh, that that would make a game of the year for me. <laughs> yeah, like if you could just go through that whole game with a guitar as a weapon, I would play it. Now, the one yeah, thing I, I, I the one thing I will say, to be fair to this, is that if you already own Last of Us Part Two on PS4, it's only ten dollars for the upgrade. I did just say that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, no, oh, sorry. You, you cut out, and I was trying to see. I was trying to not stop the show and restart the bit. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just I'm texting you, going, "Lads, I can't hear Mark." Okay. <laughs> I'm definitely still. I was definitely still recording. So okay. Um, okay. we're yeah. all good. But we're all yes. good. Yes, it's still uh, good. It's still good. <laughs> it's still good. <laughs> it's gone. Keep going. And uh, this game, I believe, only costs ten dollars. If you, uh, if you. <laughs> <laughs> 
I believe ten dollars have to be part. Yeah, it's it, that is good. I guess. Do you think it's maybe because they had to stop production of season two of the TV show, yeah. and they were like, "Nah, we need to milk this IP for as much cash as we can get." What should can we I do? Just say, I don't know. Speaking, speaking of uh, absolute perverse for this kind of stuff, we know. I I am reading down further in this story about the uh, the Steel Book, and I'm thinking Matt Niner is going straight in on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straight yeah, in. Probably will. <laughs> Also, I, I feel like Barry might buy that. No, he too. no, he will. That's that's for sure. And yeah. if there's a he's already if there's, a, if there's a gaudy statue with it as well, he's having that. Because I, yeah, I wonder exactly. as well. I wonder as well. Like that first Horizon Zero Dawn, that was a PS4 title only, right? Yeah. So that's definitely mm-hmm. getting a remaster at some point. Yeah. That game is five years old, but that came out. Yeah, that came out that. a longer time ago than this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's this game coming. still has an umbilical cord attached, man. Um, well, I guess the other thing is the- Last of Us is still popular, whereas the second Horizon came out, and people were like, eh. "Yeah, we're yeah. we're still not going to get that Bloodborne remake anytime no, soon." But like, I again, we are in the pact, Mark, where we're waiting, and if <laughs> Jeff Keighley reveals it, then we'll wait. But if not, we're playing OG Bloodborne in 2024. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Although I do expect now at this stage, what if he's going to do any from software thing? It's going to be the Elden Ring DLC that was supposed to already drop this year. And apart from the single screenshot and tweet, there has not been one word about that. Yeah, uh, and here's the thing, because you know, the, I, I think I've seen some articles recently, and I'm sure this is a thing that's going to be discussed more about like where the state of the industry is in terms of remakes and remasters. And here is the thing. There is a time and a place for like a remaster or, or, or like a, a, a pack of games on the simple basis that they're not available uh, outside of, you know, emulation. Um, and not everyone is going to do emulation. Not everyone understands emulation. And, you know, technically it is not something that you should be doing. So like there's a fucking Jurassic Park uh, pack that's just been released that has like all of the Mega Drive and Super Nintendo and Game Boy Jurassic Park games. That's like 30 quid. It's completely ridiculous, but it's not a thing that is available to get anywhere else. So, hey, the fact that it exists, that's pretty cool. Sure. Why not? The the Metal Gear Solid like HD trilogy uh, while there, there there are issues about like the emulation of those and what is in there and what is not in there, um, I mean I guess theoretically, technically, all three of those games are available on on the Sony Network Store. I would have to imagine um, in some form or fashion. So I think the thing that's more viable about or the the, the bigger question about that is when the Volume Two pack comes along. And if Metal Gear Solid 4 is in there, because a lot of this does yeah, come down I, to... I think that's hey, the, the build, you know? Um, yeah, PlayStation 3 games are just not a thing yeah. because, of, you know, Sony fucked up the PS3, yeah. so you want those games, you're going to have to get these games that, when they come along in, in their new form. That's a Danny O'Dyer, uh, Danny O'Dyer documentary. That Danny O'Dyer is an entirely different person. Danny... You have, like... Um, I'm a fucking leprechaun, and I can't. You have games like Mario Kart 8. You know, everyone forgets Mario Kart 8 is technically a Wii U game. Yeah. And is... I don't know if it's the best-selling <laughs> Switch game, but like, it's probably up there. As much Mario Kart 8 ca- content came out on the Switch as did on the Wii U, in terms of, like, yeah. new tracks that you can't get on the old one. And that's absolutely a game that should have come out on the Switch because, hey, it was on a console that no one had. 
so there are times and places and actually a lot of those kind of bundles that we've seen over the last couple of years from studios like Night Dive um, or God I can't remember the other one but like the Cowabunga collection that we had last year that Atari 50th anniversary collection that was last year as well I think there's loads of these sorts of things that are really awesome for people that aren't you know emulation perverts like me as a way to have these bundle of games together all for it no issue with those and even stuff like you know I'm playing the Super Mario RPG uh, remake at the moment and it's fine I wouldn't say it's great by any means but again I I, technically I think that is actually on the the um, Nintendo Switch Online service so you know you can make the argument about whether that is necessary or not um Night Dive is a cool name for a studio. Night Dive is very cool, yeah. Uh, Although it just made me think about Day Dive, uh, which is Fighter of the Night Dive. I I would say that, um, funny in the list of like the remakes and stuff like that, and you know, what's pointless, what has he used to it, the Metal Gear Solid one that you mentioned is a very interesting one because, like, when people came out and they're like, oh, Konami did next to nothing with these. Is, is kind of a selling point to me. <laughs> so like, actually, yeah. the less Konami do to these games almost makes it better. Um, they they the didn't they didn't fucking fit a pachinko machine in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Team Blue still doing the Silent Hill Two they remake? Is that still a thing? Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And great. they have been repeatedly putting out troubling statement after troubling statement. That's just like you could not communicate more that you did not get Silent Hill Two. They're like, Do you know, it's going. It's not really going to be a psychological horror game. We're going for just general scary. I was like, oh, okay. I, I haven't actually asked you yet, Dave, about this at any point. Have you in any way interacted with Silent Hill Ascension? No. Well, apart from <laughs> me and Jack that week, we covered the uh, Hideo Kojima Kumi and my tummy story. <laughs> Which is really the only thing you need to talk about. Really? Yeah. 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 No, no, my. Well, at least I, it got some publicity because of that. Like, no one would have given a shit about this game yeah, if, if that it wasn't is the for that incident. grotesque corpse of Silent Hill and not in a way that's cool. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny how you know, very on brand for the podcast. We just return at the very end to oh, and by the way, fuck Konami. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to ask you straight up, Dave. Are you going to spend uh, ten ten euros uh, to get this upgrade? Not right away. Like I literally looked over there, and I I still do have part two on the shelf. So it would only yeah. cost me ten dollars. Now, do you want to be part of the problem? I I will play that game again someday. Will I play it straight away? Like, what it's entirely dependent on is what's my January 2024 looking like games-wise. Like, if I have absolutely nothing else I'm looking to play, and I I haven't revisited that game There are always things to play. Anything I want to (laughs) play. Um, (laughs) And I I literally have not, like, it's not like I did, like, a platinum run or anything like that in that game where I exhausted. I literally played it through once left it never came back to it um i mean from what you and, and barry told me about that game it it's not exactly the kind of thing where you want to be in that world for no, 78 no, and that hours, was part you know? of the reason why i never came back to it it's not that i didn't love it i absolutely loved it but it was just like there are certain games where the narrative is so perfect that like if i revisit it i'm, I mean, I'm hitting the same beats but it's not as special in here mm. you know um, Plus the gameplay is not that great compared, is it really? Like you're playing it because you want to know what happens, yeah. Rather than because I, you're enjoying playing I mean, the game, like the actual mechanical. Side I mean, of it's, it anyway. it's pretty, like it's it's fine, like it's it's not. I guess I guess no, not, not. I'm no. not saying it's bad so, by any stretch of the imagination. It's just fine by the way. is kind of 
overplaying it. I guess it really depends on how thin you wear on the the stealth stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, I like a stealth game, but that is not. It, it's not like a good stealth game. But like you don't go oh, Last of Us stealth. You go Last of Us because you're like compelling story, mm. interesting atmosphere, great vibes. Like no one's going to Last of Us because they want to play a stealth or a cover shooter yeah. because it's not particularly great either of those. It functions enough to be good enough yeah. to get you through what the really enjoyable beats yeah, of it yeah, are. Yeah, you're not going, but like say, you know, I guess it's a bad example with you two because I'm by far the high man on it. But like I go, when I go back to Bioshock Infinite, which I frequently do, um, I go back partly for the story, which I'm super into. But, like, also, mm. it's just a rip-roaring fucking game to play. Like, you're sky-hooking it around, blowing people's heads off with shotguns and shit like that. It's just, like, the game feel is great as well as me enjoying the story. Um, yeah. Whereas here, yeah, it's definitely, like, the gameplay is not bad, but it's not the reason I'm picking Last of Us back up. Yeah, the same way, like, every now and then I go back to Paris, get dressed up like Helmut Kruger and start throwing Molotov cocktails around. Mm. It's a good time. Yeah, damn right. Uh, right, well, on that note, we will uh, bring an end to Link to Cast. As we said at the top, uh, we won't be here for a regular episode uh, next week, but it is all in good service because we will be absolutely just dropping that content over Game of the Year season. It will be all worth it. We are going to try this idea of doing it in person. I did find it funny, something I did want to bring up, that like right after we kind of said on the pod we were going to do Game of the Year in person this year, a giant bomb announced that they're finally doing Game of the Year in person again. They're doing uh, their final day of deliberations with a, with a live audience. I was like, oh, we got them fucking scared. Uh, <laughs> you know, because they definitely have heard of us and her. Yeah, of course, quaking in their boots. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, uh, so we won't be here next week, but we will be back. We'll have a couple, like, three or four more. Three or four more before Christmas, anyway. uh, Before Game of the Year season. Um, But until then, um, at Link to the Cast, where you need to follow us on Twitter to keep up with the shows as they're posted, to chat to us about what we've been talking about or what you think we should talk about. Individually, I'm at the day to Dave. Mark is at Lithium Project. Jack is at Jack Lazell, and Garrett is at Garrett Kidney. This has been Link to the Cast. We'll see you again next week. Bye bye.